with that montage to his classical side of the talents that he possessed, we welcome you to an unexpected but special version of episode 22 of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. I'm Alan. And this is Al. (sighs) And it's been a rough time. I think uh, we were surprised, but we weren't surprised. This one, yeah, I've got feelings on that. You know that, well, we'll save that for a little bit, but... We're here today for this special episode to talk about and cherish and celebrate the life of the late Peter Torkelson. We're going to talk about some of our own personal memories Mm -hmm. and talk about some things we've seen this week from fans. And, you know, just hopefully this episode will be a comfort to other brothers and sisters in the fandom. And this, yeah, this is a cathartic thing for you and I because, let's be honest, I mean, for me personally... Davy's death was so unexpected, but it didn't hit me as hard because even though you've met him a number of times, I've had two face-to-face meetings, which lasted a total of about a minute, minute and a half. So there wasn't the attachment from saying, oh, God, I met Davy, you know, this, that, and the other. Peter's, this, this one hits a little hard. I mean, seriously. And we'll get into us meeting the guys, and, and now I'm more grateful than ever that we've had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week was interesting. I guess we all learned, uh, I guess I learned about noontime that day. Yep. And you knew before I did. Well, it came to me. I saw Jody's quote was, I'm going to be sick to my stomach. And then I had to s- scroll through a little bit. And, but, yeah. Um, now, privately, 
you and I have been speculating about this for a good while. Yes, because uh, Peter dropped out of the yeah. limelight. Well, that and with no other information, just taking what little bit we saw and extrapolating on it. But the fact that he he disappeared, he, he as as, we, as you know, in, at the end of 2016, they finished up the tour in uh, New Zealand and Australia, and that's when we spoke to Coco right after that was done. And then Peter finished up the work with SSB on the Lead Belly uh, Relax Your Mind CD and then pretty much disappeared, other than the occasional answering the fan question, answering you know, and, and the statement that, you know, I'm enjoying life, my health has been, you know, there have been issues with my health recently, but... He kept up a social media presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, an occasional social media right, presence, right. presence. So, but there was one event that clearly led me to believe that something was seriously wrong and it was at that point I said to you I said I'll bet any money the cancer's come back yeah and that was the release of Christmas Party yeah now those of you that have ever known anyone that's had any type of a throat cancer especially let's go back to let's go back to 2012 mm-hmm. when Peter went back onto the road you could tell his voice was different oh sure but I think it actually uh, was sort of better it, yeah, from I agree. What he went through—that sounds awful, but you know what I mean. But okay, you know that we're both. You're a pro wrestling. You you like pro wrestling. I'm a, a big fan of it. Do you remember the late Bobby the Brain Heenan? Yes. Bobby the Brain Heenan suffered from throat cancer, and if you look at some of the uh, YouTube videos of him after the chemotherapy, after you notice a distinct thickening of his voice. You notice that it. That it it, it gets more. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lisp involved, and there's just not. You, you can tell there's a there's a, a, a marked difference. Now, when Peter did the pan, when they did the Pantasia show in 2016, Peter's voice sounded one way. But even with the auto tune, and, and I'm willing to bet that's why they had to use the auto tune. Peter's voice sounded much thicker, and it sounded like it was the. To me, just equating that with Bobby the Brain Heenan, that. It, that led me to believe, honestly, that the cancer had come back and had gotten worse. Now, to be fair, that's a tough song to sing with those uh, notes oh, and agree, places yeah. to go. It, I understand Angels yeah. We Have Heard High is, is a secular number, but what you have, if you're listening to the quality of his voice, the, the, the way that he sounded, that was what threw up the major red flag for me. Right. And, of course, we all can't forget um, it was Peter. You know, the cancer was announced in 2009, I believe. Yep. And we all, all our hearts fell thinking, you know, we're all going to have to face this at some time thinking. True. This is, and if you had told me that Peter would come out stronger in a way and Davey would be the one to go first, I would have, you know, thrown you out of the room. Nope. But I remember that sickening feeling back then thinking, this is it. And when they told us how they had to take the cancer, well, they had to get rid of the cancer, remove the cancer. Peter's talked about that. And, and that was, to me, it wasn't so much that would he survive at that point? Is he ever going to be able to perform again? Imagine telling a singer, yeah. it's this kind of we, cancer. We have, gotta, to, we have to yes. split your jaw wide open, you know, kind of like what they do with the chest. You know, they pull, they For crack the chest open and then go back in the back and they'd be able to scrape the cancer out and then go through all that chemo. But to his credit, he fought it. He Big came time. back and we got the second chance with him. And that's what... That's what we should all take to heart is the fact that we didn't lose him in 2009. We had him for four more year, uh, four or five more years after that, and that we, we should be just very happy that we got those extra years. 
the cup is half full, not half empty. It's very true. I always say that. And, mm-hmm. you know, he could have easily felt sorry for himself and, and ran and hid. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He could have stopped performing. Yeah. He didn't. He well, gave us the, the Mike, Peter, and Mickey shows, which mm-hmm. were amazing in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all miss Davey, but these were like a different kind of show. Mm-hmm. Plus and, solo stuff. Oh, yeah. And to me, he's he's always been a fighter because if you look at how far down he he fell after after the monkeys broke up in the 70s and then he came back he kicked he, he beat his alcoholism he beat his drug abuse that which, alone is a great uh, mountain to get absolutely over. i mean it's like climbing everest so this was like a walk in the park but you know you, you've heard in interviews he had to learn how to speak again had to learn how to sing again and i'll be honest with you and, and i agree with you i think his voice was better after the surgery well, let me lighten things up um, just a bit, if I can. I found out, of course, about noontime uh, Thursday, right? Yes. Running around, doing my usual stuff. Um, and, you know, we all probably did the same thing. We go online and we, we look for, you know, fellowship and some comfort from fellow fans. And, and that was a great healing factor. I felt like it was Davey all over again. Like mm-hmm. That particular sadness, that particular weight. But here's something interesting. I work as a freelance personal trainer, and I've just taken on... A new client, which was a young 14-year-old girl and her mother, training them together. And one day I wore a monkey shirt over there, and we realized that they had come to the Charlotte uh, 2016, 2015 concert. Um, yeah. But that was the extent of it. I didn't think they were hardcore fans. I didn't tell them I was a hardcore fan. So I go to train them, and we have had nothing but dark, cold weather sleet and rain for like what a week and a half yeah suddenly the sun's out suddenly it's 65 degrees i get there early i walk the neighborhood i've got all my headphones listening to monkeys music i go in and the mother and daughter are playing they have alexa playing a monkey set list just the basic you know greatest hit stuff and it was really sweet and it really lifted my spirits they didn't have to do that they don't even know me that well to do such a thing and it was great. And it was great to hear the young girl. Of course, she talked about how when she first heard, she thought it was something to do with Peter Parker. And then a friend of hers, again, this is a young girl. Mm-hmm. She's on social media and her friends are talking about it. Of course, they're t- calling him Peter Torso, but they know who the monkeys are. And they know it was just so um, uplifting and so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Because I tell you, as much as we have to say goodbye to these guys, it's all going to go on. Anytime that show is played, whether it's next week or 500 years from now, there will be new interest and new fans a thousand years from now. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the losses we face now. It's, it's going to go on. Mike said it years ago, like the monkeys are now an alpha omega kind of thing. True. So I felt that was a fun little uplifting moment during that day and, and unexpected. Yeah. But it also shows us the monkeys are everywhere and Peter is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Despite Brian Williams of MSNBC saying that it only appeals to a certain age, but we'll let that go <laughs> for now. I never forget going to a Davy solo show about 12 years ago, and I'm looking around, and yes, there are old people being helped off of buses in wheelchairs using walkers. I look to the other side, kids as young as eight singing along to every song that Davy belted out. Oh yeah, and that's that's the monkeys. It absolutely, and, it, and the the great thing about it is that. The uh, the the generations now that we there've got to be at least five generations, you know, originals sharing with their kids and grandkids and so on. And I won't so get forth. into what the correct labeling is. No, now's, no, no, now's not the time. Oh, no, we'll have that debate later. But uh, well, we agree on it anyway. Right. But, There's but no debate it's, with you and I. No, it's not old at all. people. 
speak for yourself. I'm older than you always will be, but it's um, the outpouring, the the love, and the 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 two times I saw Jody go live on Facebook. Um, it was as tough a time for her as I've ever seen, and she was. It, it, it hit her really hard, but you know, because of the fact that she works with Mickey and Michael, and she's worked with Peter before some, but it's just the fact of the, the love and outpouring, the, the, the fact that we have such a large extended family as Monkees fans, um, that's why we're there. I mean, it's, we've had, what, 20, we've had 20 plus people want to join the group since this happened because of all the outpouring and everything. We appreciate and we welcome all the new members to the group. And kind of a sad, morbid note is this happens any time a performer dies, the sales of their music and interest spikes, which is a good thing because you want more people knowing about yeah. these wonderful creations. And I think it was our buddy Doug Hubler who posted that the sales have gone up since a thousand percent. It's like, Probably. Well, you know, hey. Another wonderful thing, I'm... I come from the world of comics. I've been a comics fan forever. And this morning, something wonderful pops up. A portrait of Peter, circa 1967, done by the fabulous comics and commercial art painter Bill Sienkiewicz. And if you had not told me it was him, I never would have known because that's not the artwork I ever associate with him, his style. It's... Well, I saw it immediately. So that, is that Bill? It's his style, but somebody cut off his signature. But they said this just dropped from Bill Sienkiewicz because it's got that kind of wild, especially in Peter's tunic, and the uh, yeah, but I guess I'm beats. I guess I'm so used to seeing the new his new mutants kind of years work. ago. I understand that, but you know it's just. But I love that because that's mm-hmm. like something from quote the real world. Yeah, and Bill is an amazing painter. He's done movie posters. What uh, he's done everything when uh, it comes. To... What am I thinking of? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, uh, just incredible. And, and that was a nice little uh, mm-hmm. surprise this morning. Yeah, and well, another little nice surprise that has gotten a lot of positive. Thing is uh, your couple of your drawings have shown up. Sadly, well, I, I hate to say it. All I did was take the images I made for Davy, and these and making these images helped me have a little bit of cathartic release too. Mm-hmm. But I just basically put Peter's name on the same director's chair. I hate to say that, but it's, it, and I hate to say how it applies. But no, I'm, I'm, wasn't but, um, there? There was another piece that you did, I think, in '90 or something like that, that popped, popped up, up to, yeah. covered a monkey business fanzine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, so. And I also took the banner, the Facebook page banner mm-hmm. I made for Davey and kept the same format. And mm-hmm. I've been running that, that picture of Peter that everyone has shared, that nice mm-hmm. close-up in black and white. You know what's odd I've been thinking about this week, too? One of the first times I got to see the show is when it played after school in the mid-'70s after it was offered as a syndicated package then yep. to stations around the country. And I started recording it with my audio tape recorder. Mm-hmm. No VCRs yet. And one of the yeah, sketches, your little your little Radio Shack Radio Shack cassette recorder, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And boy, finding the money to keep myself in blank cassettes um, at Kmart and the ninety minute ones. Oh my God, they were like three dollars for a package of two. There's one of the few sketches I wanted to record the music, but I record a few sketches now and again. It's the guys in the success story. They're trying mm-hmm. to stop Davy and his grandfather from leaving. Yep. Peter is portraying Icarus, the famous uh, mm-hmm. mythological character, and he's. Yeah. And he's flapping his wings, and he, and he says, don't fly, don't fly. If you get too close to the sun, your wings will melt. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about a great quote, and I'm thinking about Peter with wings, which I'm sure is a subconscious thing, but I've always remembered that line from recording that audio of 
the guys at the uh, at the airport during that mm-hmm. little sketch, oh, yeah. that romp. Oh yeah, it was strange. And uh, you know, well, it's funny. You, you just mentioned you know, Peter, Peter and Wings. Oh, be, yes. uh, yeah, there's that. The, the famous '90s the, appearance. Yep, yeah, but. I want to thank MeTV for showing this weekend. Uh, they will have shown it by the time we're done. By the time this hits the hits the uh, airwaves, but they're showing uh, One Man Shy, and then The Devil and Peter Tork. It can't always be you, Davey. But <laughs> and um, I think uh, both great selections. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there were the two. You know, mo- art for monkey's sake, maybe. But you know, I one One Man Shy, and, and those two are the, are the best. So. Uh, one thing I also want to preface, uh, preface um, coming out probably the first of next week, uh, I'm scheduled to sit down and have a uh, have a nice conversation with uh, Peter's two-man band partner, James Lee Stanley, on Thursday. So we'll post that interview as a separate entity once I get it all taken care of. But yeah, I'm, I'm, James Lee's been on our to-do list for a long time, but it's sad that it had to, it took this for us to finally get get it nailed down. But you know, that that kind of leads me to our personal interactions with him now. Well, you mentioned James Lee Stanley. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the conventions that you went to. Um, I, I want to hear some of those stories before we talk about the the combination uh, our. Uh, dual and how James Lee ties into that. Yes. Well, my first meeting with Peter was the 1986 Philadelphia convention that was put on by Maggie McManus and Monkey Business Fanzine. Now, I don't want to say meeting. Keep in mind, I grew up, the guys had already broken up. The idea of a reunion was just unheard of. Suddenly, here I am, I'm out of college, I'm going to this convention, and I'm in the same room with Peter Tork. Now, of course, I'm in the same room with him and, you know, a gazillion other people. 300 screaming fans, which made it even more surreal. But, And keep in mind, the guys, like Peter especially, still kind of looked like they did back in the day. So that made it even a stranger experience. And I remember Peter answering the questions, trying to be funny, uh, meaning he did succeed, but there were some questions that were a little uncomfortable. He tried to make it a lightweight thing. There was Fred Velez trying to handle the crowds and get the guys on and off the stage. And it was just surreal, but Peter was the first one out that weekend. I think he came out on the Saturday, and Mickey and uh, Davey were Sunday. Mm -hmm. And just thinking, there's Peter Tork, and he's, what, 100 feet away from me? Oh, yeah. Which sounds very fanboyish, but keep in mind, I never thought we'd meet these guys, let alone a reunion and other fans coming on board and MTV and all that. You know, I don't have to explain 1986. Um, I don't know. They say if you remember the 80s, you weren't really... No, that's the 60s. I'm sorry, that's... The colors, man. The colors, man. <laughs> is Jamie in the room? Yeah, really. Frodo's um, queen. Oh, man. Suddenly I'm seeing colors that aren't around anymore. Um, no. Wait a minute. When did my iced tea turn sh- uh, chartreuse? Wait a minute. It's got little faces <laughs> in it. I see Nixon in the iced tea. No. Um, so that was interesting. And then, uh, you know, the 80s thing kind of uh, boils over. The, the, the mania subsides. That, that crazy over-the-top mania. Mm-hmm. So here come the 90s, and the guys are doing solo stuff again. So I guess through the pages of Monkey Business Fanzine, which was the news outlet back then, I heard about Peter coming to Louisville, North Carolina, and these were solo shows. This wasn't one. This wasn't two man band. This wasn't uh, uh, Shoe Suede, Suede Blues. Blues were later, right? Yeah, Shoe Suede Blues didn't come in until the early two thousands, I think. This was Peter and his guitar and banjo and a piano, mm-hmm. 
in this wonderful small town square, the most yeah. intimate setting. For those of you that know North Carolina, if you're familiar with Winston-Salem, uh, Louisville is a little bit west of Winston-Salem, a little suburb. But wait a minute now. When we no, um, when when we went to see him, it was him and James Lee. But that was he, later. But he actually did shows at Louisville by himself before yep. that. Wow, it I never started because I think uh, Marilyn Ingram brought him back in '97, '98, '99. But he started just as him. Really? Now, now, James may have been there as a separate... But they they were doing... But what they would do is they would do... Peter would do a solo... James Lee would go first with the solo stuff. Then Peter would come out. And then that would be during the afternoon. Then in the evening, there would be a separate show with the two of them doing the two-band-band stuff. I could almost swear the first time he was there, it was just Peter. It could very well have been, because I don't think I... I remember you got me involved, like, the second or third year. The second year, I think it was, because we saw... Was it two or three times that we saw them together? I think it was twice. I think so. Because, again, they were there for, I think, three different uh, summer occasions. Yeah, because the one one year, the first two years, they did it as a little intimate... It was just like a, like the back porch of something. Like mm-hmm. So, but and then the last year they moved to this new park where they had a small pavilion there that we were all outside sitting on right. the grass watching it. So, and afterwards they'd have uh, a little meet and greet, and Peter would have his uh, merchandise, and yep. you get photos. I remember my wife getting into James Lee not just because she liked his music and was exposed to it, but James Lee has done some acting on the Star Trek shows and things like that, which my wife is a fan of. A fan of, but these shows are really great. Mm-hmm. Peter just it's almost like uh, Peter unplugged. I Absolutely, guess. Um, uh, and, but yeah, yeah, it was always fun listening to him shill uh, you know, the dig deep, deep in your wallets for our. Uh, but like his old club days, and I remember him saying something to the effect of, uh, "You're going to see me schlep from my car all these CDs and photos mm-hmm. to try to sell you as I sit at a table." And you might think, "Isn't it sad that former worldwide superstar schlepping his junk over the table to sell?" No, no, no. What's no, no. What's sadder is watching a farmer superstar schlep the unsold junk back to his car. <laughs> and I'll never forget that because that's where up there with Shatner's has been. Sure, Beats never was. Absolutely, but it, that was uh, before I tell you the story that I, that I don't know. Louisville was really cool to me because it was as intimate as you can get. Peter interacted with the crowd a lot. You know, of course, there was the old, there was the same old stuff that you would hear. He always kind of, uh, those of you that request, eh, forget about it. I have this set list. This is all I'm going to play. This is all I know. And, but If you know the words, don't sing along. It throws me off. But. At least we didn't hear, um, I have uh, uh, three daughters, all girls. But the great thing about it was, is you got to hear solo stuff. I mean, to this day. That was, Louisville was when I fell in love with Good Looker, which was, yeah, especially when he used, the, he played that kind of honky-tonk version of it, which was really good. But. I've always regretted he didn't officially release Vagabond John. Mm-hmm. And this is about the time that Stranger Things came out, which is a wonderful CD. I loved it then. It's just, if you don't have that, you got to get it, folks. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, you saw the picture I posted the other night when I was at my... Uh, yep. When I was your gig, yeah. When I was at my gig, there, uh, yeah, I was playing a lot of. Uh, I played a lot of strangers stuff from Stranger Things have happened. But and what's funny, I was starting editing our last podcast, which funny you're here that after this, whatever, yeah, we can get it up and running. And as part of the musical bed, I put in Miracle, mm-hmm. um, 
and that was running through my head all week, and then that was also in my head when I heard the news on Thursday. Yeah. But, you know, to me, it, it, but, I mean, you heard higher and higher. You heard Vagabond John. You heard Good Looker. You heard... Sea uh, Change. Sea Change. And, and it's funny, and, uh, again, I'm going to shout Doug out. Uh, you need to go back and find his page. He posted a concert from 1988, Peter in Greenwich Village, mm-hmm. and it's all the Stranger Things stuff. Yeah. And it's wild. I've got club dates from the 70s and 80s where he was kicking around some of this stuff that mm-hmm. finally came to fruition yep. later, you know, but officially Str- recorded. We love Stranger Things. We love the two-man band stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to talk to you. James Lee and I are probably going to talk a lot about two-man band stuff on Thursday. And in Louisville, I made a lot of fans. met a lot of uh, new Monkees fans. Denise Stanford, Marilyn, um, Marilyn Ingram, who arranged for all this, and kind of made me one of the backstage people, mm-hmm. and uh, she didn't have to do that, but I guess she somehow knew I was a fan of of such, how should I put this, uh, such hardcore nature. Yes. That, um, and again, this is pre-social media. You just she felt sorry people? for you as well. Probably. <laughs> yeah. But I think but, we I think we both share the, uh, the same highlight of all the times, and it was the first time because I don't think I'm, I'm t- I don't think it was after the second time where they had the outdoor show, where they had that new pavilion, was that we were all at Cracker Barrel in Louisville eating That's on dinner. My notes. Yep, and uh, lo and behold, who walk in but James Lee and Peter? Um, I think it was that same time. I'm, I'm thinking it may have been earlier. They must have really liked Cracker Barrel. Mm-hmm. Peter and I just happened to be in line to get seated at Cracker Barrel. You have to go up and put your name in. Oh yes. And uh, it was interesting to see. The reaction, because a lot of people knew him. A lot of people. Frodo's Queen Party of Two. Your table is now ready. Frodo's Queen Party of Two. Your table is now ready. Um, but I got to talk to Peter about the then new Justice release, mm-hmm. one of my favorite albums, and, and we got talking about David, especially the way he sings on "Run Away from Life" together. And Peter said, "Yes, that was an attempt to get David to sound a little more like David Bowie, mm-hmm. and just to chat with him and be just two guys chatting and not yeah. try to." play on his stardom and stuff mm-hmm. and again you know these guys and you know they put their pants on one leg at a time but to see them in public just enjoying a meal and think mm-hmm. you know they have to drive and they have to eat and they have to go to the bathroom and, mm-hmm. but it was fun to be able to interact with them after the show there and well then it must have been two different times because I think so yeah, yeah. so I think this was me and Denise and her friends having mm-hmm. a meal at the Cracker Barrel yeah well I got to pay for Peter and James Lee dinner. Well, I, I offered I offered to buy pay for it, and I did. So, my ex wife didn't think too highly of that, but you know. So that's how you're getting James to do an interview. You no, know, James, you owe me, buddy, from no, 1998. Yeah, really. No, 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 no. Remember that dessert? <laughs> that was not cheap, James. <laughs> yes. The cobbler. The cobbler. <laughs> Peter's psycho jello. No, I'm kidding. Now, just around that same time, you were able to get me backstage when the Monkees came in 1996. I just shared yeah. my footage from that big mm-hmm. sweep they did in town where they had a media play signing and a, uh, all mm-hmm. the news stations covered them. But you yeah. were able to get me backstage somehow All right, so to meet the guys, especially yes. Peter. The story as it goes was, you know that one of the things that I've enjoyed over the years is the old cliffhanger movie serials. Right. And I think, it, I think we may have told this story in episode one, but uh, knowing that Mickey's... Uh, father had done a cliffhanger serial. As a matter of fact, there was a picture that I came across in one of the serial magazines that I had access to at the time of a three-month-old Mickey with his mother on the set with George Dolan's for the serial The Royal Mounted Rides Again. So, I obtained a VHS copy of it, 
uh, took it with me. I, I took a gift for each one of them. I can't remember what I gave David, but I did give Peter a Charlotte Folk Society T-shirt. So I hand Mickey the um, the VHS, and unfortunately, it's got a picture of the star on it, which was Bill Kennedy, who was a you know, a B actor who had a one of these uh, movie shows in the, in the early '70s in, in in Detroit. But and Mickey looked at you and said, "That's not my dad." That's not my dad. I said, this is a cliffhanger serial that your father did right after you were born. So that's not my dad. I flip it over, and guess what? There's a picture. Of that. I said, no. I pointed the picture on the back of him and said, no, but that is. And he just went. His jaw dropped. He got up, shook my hand. Uh, as I was sliding down to David, he's going. He's reaching back. And yeah, course, give this. It, Alan is gesturing like, give this guy special up. Uh, no, this is like, hey, see, talk to this guy for you. So, yes. But, and, and of course, after I got no. done with Peter, the, the woman comes in. Hey, can I see for a minute? And I, and I uttered. You thought, what did I do? And I thought, with all the, the, the famous Michael Nesmith line, uh, with my paranoia, I need this. So, but yeah, it, they, Mickey wants you to come backstage tonight. Now, I gave Mickey a 50s. Blackhawk comic because mm-hmm. I just read his book and he yep. mentioned he loved Blackhawk, which mm-hmm. is a military comic from the fifties. Yep. And he gave me just about a bear hug too when he saw that because again we're trying to think outside the box. They've seen True. every monkeys thing. Mm-hmm. Let's give them something they really cherish. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the guys were great too because they signed. I think I bought a um, a program or something. I had all three signed. When I later mm-hmm. got Mike to sign at the two thousand fourteen convention, yep. only took twelve thirteen years. But hey, yeah. go ahead. But yeah, it was and. Um, as I stated, that that allowed us to become email buddies for a year. You and now, Mickey, yeah, Mickey and I. But I never took advantage of it. Didn't talk to him about the show or anything. So, but yeah, and it was that was really cool. But with thousands, hundreds and hundreds of people going through that line, you got fifteen or twenty seconds with each one. So, and it's online if you want to see it. Yep. Charlotte, North Carolina, nineteen ninety seven visit. Yeah, and exclusive fan. I, I would love to slap that reporter from Channel Thirty Six. That, why is Michael Nesman not here? Li- white out, liquid paper. It's like yeah. it's like <laughs> it's not quite the story, but they always get get these things wrong. And of course, it also led to me hanging out with Mickey because he also had a showing then <clears throat> an art his, showing, yes, his artwork. Mm-hmm. And I got to hang out with him for like half a day. Mm-hmm. I can't forget. I can't remember where downtown Charlotte. It was in Founders Hall. Founders was, Hall. Thank yeah, you. the the Bank of America, the Bank of America building downtown. But it was great seeing the guys after the concert. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got them to sign um, the 1987 tour shirt, that mm-hmm. great blue shirt with the yeah. uh, artsy images. I just and, shook uh, hands with him. I was, you know, I didn't, yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of kind of guy to present. But yeah, the 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 vision of Mickey walking around holding a rolling rock, right? <laughs> and they seemed a little bit like, you know. Do we really need to? Yeah, yeah. We kind of got to do this. Is, 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 uh, how long we got here? But still friendly and oh, yeah. still accommodating. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah. But that's one thing I loved about Louisville was the fact that we really got to be able to talk to Peter and James Lee, it, and just like there were any other performers on yeah. the stage there, they could have been local guys plucking yeah. the guitar and absolutely singing some ditties. Absolutely. So that brings me to the story that I don't think I've ever told you before. Um, You remember I told you that in 1991, uh, my radio buddy and I, Errol Collins, that has interviewed me, he's been uh, on the show before, but he he and I were working in the same building in 1991. And folks, you hear that little mini interview with Mike in episode 8. All right. So... 1991, they weren't really doing anything for the 25th anniversary, so um, Arrow and I were working in the same 
uh, radio company. He was working at the FM station 107.9, which it back then was called Sunny 107.9. And I was doing weekends for um, WBT, which is the second oldest radio station in the country. The 50,000 50, watt butt flamethrowing butt kicking AM giant of the, of the nation. So old, they've only got the three call letters. That's right. But um, I talked to him about wanting to do uh, like a radio special like they did with the, uh, um, oh, the Lou, what's his name? The, uh, that came out in 86. When, uh, oh, I know exactly what you're thinking. It was syndicated. Yeah, it syndicated. Was it, was, it was a syndicated monkey special. So yes. Lou Irwin. I went down, I, I tracked Mickey down to Fort, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, where he was uh, doing a one-nighter with Mike Panera of Blues Image and Iron Butterfly. And that story goes that I, Mickey's quote was, we're not talking about that now. So, As you've heard in my recent uh, Howard Stern mm-hmm. 91 interview I just yep. put up yep. for everyone to hear, yep. Mickey was in his Mickey Dolan's Puts You to Sleep and or Broadway yep. Mickey days. Well, yeah, that was right after uh, Puts You to Sleep had been, uh, had been released. And uh, because I had, the, I had the booklet with me from that was also when Listen to, Listen to the Band was out. So and they had that great, great, uh, great package all around. Yeah, so I uh, didn't struck out with Mickey. Um, so then I tracked Peter down, and I did manage to score an interview with him for about an hour and a half. However, this being 1991 and Alan being a very inexperienced interviewer, I fanboyed, and unfortunately, I never got to put that in, cut that interview from. Uh, Reel to reel, which I had to record it because it was in the production studio, uh, to cassette. So that interview has l- long been lost. Oh boy! Yeah, but hmm. that was Peter was very nice, very gracious. Um, you know, and and I'm sorry that the special never came to fruition. But you know, here we are, 35 years later, you know, 25 years later, and we're we're doing a podcast about it. So, and I got to see Peter and interact with him at the 2014 convention where he was great with all the fans. I went in for my group shot, and uh, I think Mike asked me my name, and Peter heard it, and he started singing, You Can Call Me Al, mm-hmm. the Paul Simon song. Mm-hmm. Mickey had a joke, and the guys were just great with everybody. Oh, yeah. But it, that's the one thing I think I've noticed over the years. It is nice to see Mike and Mickey more, and I think Jody's brought this out in him. Jody's brought this out in both of them a lot, I think. That they're embracing the fans for. Uh, Mickey's always been good to the fans, but yeah, you know, Nez, Nez embracing the fans more and more. Which now, we so. never expected. Nope. So because as far as any of these guys distancing themselves from the monkeys, boy, it was mm-hmm. Mike was the poster child for that. But here's the thing, guys: the fact that we got an extra three or four years to spend with Peter, we should look at that, carry that in our hearts. And embrace that because we almost didn't get that chance. Now, it's tough, I know. But one of the things that you have to remember is that it happens to all of us. We're all going it, to, it's, you know, this is, Father Time is undefeated. And I celebrate his legacy. I celebrate his musical talents, the memories that he's given us. And I know that he's not suffering now. Correct. And that's one thing you have to you, you have to look at. He went out on his terms. He spent the last few months of his life living it the way he wanted to with his family. 
you know, his close family, and I know they're devastated, but when this happened in 2009, you had to see, if you didn't look at it as a second chance and knowing that something could have, it could have, more than likely would have reoccurred, you know, you just, the pain will be eased with time, but in the meantime, I would listen to all his stuff, any, everything that you've got. Listen, listen to Stranger Things That Happened. Listen to the two-man band stuff because it's awesome. And every time you listen, it will help your heart heal. And, you know, I know we're going to have to probably do two more of these shows at some point. But for the time it is, as Jody always says, if you can do it, get there. Go to one of the shows. When they come back from Australia, New Zealand, they're going to be at the Fanboy Expo in August in um, in uh, in Knoxville in August. Mickey and Mickey and, and Mike. Uh, I almost said Peter. Mickey and Mike. Mickey and Mike. But if you've ever wanted to, you've got to make the effort now. I mean, Al and I have been fortunate enough to meet all of them. Uh, you know, you've, you've heard the documented story of Steel City Con last year, <laughs> but you know it's. It's getting to the point where, you know, Mike's 76, Mickey's 75 now. There's not much more time that we're going to have access to them. Not that they're going to die soon, but it's going to get to the point where after a couple of years, they're going to they're going to retire, and they're going to retire to private life, and they're not going to make appearances anymore. I, I second what Alan says. I was talking to Ken Mills the other day after Peter's death, and... We got talking about all we have to cherish. I mean, again, because of my age, just the stuff Rhino has given us, let alone the guys getting back together, let alone solo stuff. So I try to feel better and make myself, I console myself with the fact that we've got so much to enjoy and so much to treasure that was undreamt of when I was a fan in the 70s or even the 80s. Agreed. And let's look at that and let's cherish the fact that we have so many great things and, and let's not think so much about what we no longer have mm-hmm. and go forward from there Yeah, and take solace in the fact that you're not alone and hopefully this podcast helps you realize that mm-hmm. and helps in some way absolutely alright so to touch base on the Brian Williams thing for just a second because I came up with the perfect analogy of it It's and, and it's about all the misinformation and the misunderstanding and people who only know the monkeys on the very fringes who they talk of they all they get it confused as to which came first the band or the tv show so here's the analogy i would use the monkeys being a television show about a rock and roll group that would be like me saying well you know the beatles started out as a 1965 abc sunday after sunday morning cartoon and they were so good the 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 cartoons were so well received that john paul george and ringo actually had to get together to form a band and go out on the road and do all that sort of stuff and it's like you know (laughs) but it just that that's just the one thing even when this comes out it's just the fact that the misinformation the the idiots that talk about it you know the line that the line that set me off was it was like the monkeys were cast like a tv show by the producer don kirshner yeah, people can't be bothered to look up facts. And what makes it sad is now in the age of Google, Google. I mean, Wikipedia's first paragraph would have taken care of that. Mm-hmm. But, but I guess people meeting deadlines. But I mean, yeah, but you, you see where I'm saying, where you, you, you get that. I saw you laughing at that analogy, so it's like, yeah. but, but, you know, 
it's something that we have to put up with every day. But Well, know. I guess we're, we want to make this short and sweet. We're going to leave with a song I have loved for about 15 years now. There's a cover band called The Monkey Files. Mm-hmm. It's not Monkey's Files. It's, no, it's Monkey, no, it's Monkey Files. Files. And they do pretty straightforward covers of all the guys' hits and album cuts. But this one really surprised me years ago when I first heard it. It's a bluesy, very emotional take on long title. Do I have to do this all over again? And I'm just going to leave you with that and just uh, let you enjoy that. And uh, I guess that says it all. But I want to end with some particular lyrics from Stranger Things. This is from the wonderful song Milkshake, which, if you don't know, has backing vocals by... Wonderful backing vocals Nishwash by... Nishwash and Delencia. So, someone. So, so, I guess some guy named Nishwash. Yeah. But here are some of the final lyrics. One of these hungry days when my luck runs dry, I'm going to meet the great soda jerk in the sky. He'll set the heavenly blender for the final frappe, wipe the fudge from his beard, and then he'll probably say... Do you feel like a milkshake? Do you feel... At the end of your slice of life a la mode... We could use a devil's fruitcake, but the man with the van never showed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon with our next episode. Episode 23, which is something very special. Um, a chat, it will include a chat with the enchanting Valerie Karras Vinay. Thanks, guys. Take care of yourselves. This is Alan Allen saying, rest in peace, Peter. Thanks. Peace.
Oh.